Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two films with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this episode, In the Red Corner, t'was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring except for loads of gremlins. It's 1984's Gremlins. Never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they become gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. While in the blue corner, is this the most insane sequel ever? That's to be decided, but one thing's for sure, it's a whole skyscraper full of crazy from 1990. It's Gremlins 2, the new batch. We told you not to feed them after midnight. You didn't listen. Gremlins 2, the new batch. So what's the connection and which film does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Clash Potters, I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And as you just heard, this week we are doing Gremlins versus Gremlins 2, the new batch as chosen by Mr. F- Christopher Tilly. Mr. For Christopher. <laughs> uh, tell us, why'd you pick these, Chris? Because it's Christmas coming soon and one of them's a Christmas film. What's the date? Someone check the date. It's of not- Christmas. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's late. <laughs> so, what a brilliant start. <laughs> Christmas is the 25th of December. Yeah, I just thought we'd get a festive, a semi festive episode up soon. Right. Okay. So people have got time to have a run at it before uh, Christmas Day. So, are we uh, not doing what connects these I've got a connection. Oh, oh, Vicky, <laughs> the one person who hates the connection <laughs> section. What, <clears throat> what connects one podcast to the other? <laughs> the fact that we never know if we're doing a connection. 
you just have to ask me if I've written anything that makes me laugh and then that's if we're doing it or not. Oh. So, connections. Films where offspring show unbelievable disrespect to the person that made them and birthed them. Painfully birthed them. <laughs> Cheeky little bastards. Are we dealing with real life issues here? <laughs> <laughs> we will get on to that. Yeah, it is quite weird that there is a huge theme running through this yeah. movies of hating your creator. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Really? Are we going to delve deeper? Into that theme. I feel that I've gone as deep as I want to. <laughs> I'm the king of making big statements and then letting people just run with them. away from that yeah. as quickly as possible. And just sort of nodding along as people yeah, elaborate. Going, I mean, that's not me. I mean, I haven't got a problem. I mean, if you've got a problem, then obviously that's with you, but it's nothing to do with me. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Moving swiftly on. Oh. So shall we set up this first film then? Yes. So yeah, Gremlins, which for me is a busy mum of three, I like to see as a vintage tutorial on successfully managing challenging behaviour. Sometimes the old ways are the best. And when you're tired of screaming gentle hands and <laughs> listening ears at your kids, why not melt them into obedience under a sun lamp? I know I was raised like that and it never did me any harm, except I'm terrified of microwaves. <laughs> what are you talking what are you talking about? I only understood about half of that. Because you're not I was listening, gentle hands. Yeah, I heard that bit and I was like, oh, that's weird. No, with Chris, it's busy hands. I'm saying the gremlins are nothing to, nothing compares to like, basically, unreasonable arbitrary rules required to keep them happy. Check. Get it wrong. Now it's fucking chaos. Check. That is every minute of every day in my house with three young children. This film just didn't make an impact on me like I thought it would because the mess levels, I was like, "Mm, no big deal. I'm sorry, are we still in the introduction for the movie? (laughs) (laughs) This is meant to be the concise bit where we set up the movie. Billy Pelser has loving parents who are about to give him the most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? Clever. (laughs) Mischievous. And dangerous. Gremlins, eh? Are your children more like Gizmo or Stripe? Uh, It depends on the time of day. Have they had enough sleep? Have they had precisely the right thing to eat? Are their trousers tucked into their socks? Because that drives them fucking mental. (laughs) Do they have very cool punk rock haircuts or are they totally covered in hair from head to toe? (laughs) (laughs) They've got terrible hair because I can't afford to do them to the hairdressers, so I do it. That's a sad Christmas story, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, someone bung me 30 quid so I can fix their hair. It's All right, the... maybe we should talk about the film again. It's like <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> Tiny Tim over there. Yeah. yeah. We can't afford so, to go to the salon. So do we need to explain... <laughs> the salon. <laughs> do we need to explain the plot of this film? Yeah, go on. Yeah, why not? Uh, Vicky, it's yours. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's Christmas Eve. Have I made that up? It's Christmas time. So Mr Peltzer, a kindly, fatherly father figure, as in he's a dad... Um, he wants to get an amazing gift for his son so for some reason he's in Chinatown and he walks around this like junk shop curiosity shop and he hears this little twittering noise and he's like I've got to have that what's Mm. that creature and then he steals it yeah he steals it he pays the boy for it yeah. It wasn't the boys to sell, so it's... Money exchanges hands, though. That's not stealing. That's true. Yeah, but does that money reach the owner of, of the, the creature, thing, yeah. which was the elderly gentleman, Mr Wing, and not the kid who went, leave it with me, I'll go speak to him. <laughs> the artful dodger over there. <laughs> I think there's a Charles Dickens theme running through the show. Sure, and then so Mr Peltzer goes home and he gives this gift to his child and gives it uh, gives Billy, his child, a big set of rules uh, how to treat this creature, which and the rules are 
Um, don't get it wet. It doesn't like bright lights. This is in the wrong order. Shit. It doesn't like bright lights. Don't get it wet and never feed it after midnight. Yeah. At which point I would have been like, mm, could I just have a puppy? Because that sounds like <laughs> quite a lot to deal with. Mm. Um, and then a series of events. Oh, no, wait, I forgot the bit where Billy goes to work in a bank. This is well, another reason this film is weird. Is he a child or isn't he a child? Is Billy a child or not? Because he works in a bank. So he can't be a <laughs> he's child. He's not a child. No. He's clearly over the age of 18. Uh, yeah. I, I think he's the main breadwinner in the house because the dad's invent, <laughs> yeah. inventions aren't selling yeah. and they live in a beautiful house. So that bank teller job he's got is paying he's, him he's more than right. I would expect. Yeah. Mm. But I, I believe in the original script, I think Billy was a bit younger and he was going around town with a girl and, and a boy that he was friends with, which is why in the movie he's mates with Curry Feldman, who's yeah. 10 years younger than him. Yeah. That's right, because that relationship... A little weird. Uh, is because they cast Corey Feldman first. Oh, really? And then they decided to age up the character of Billy. And at no point did anyone go, ah, mm. this doesn't play anymore. It's fine. Corey's got a good agent. So he st- <laughs> yeah. the kid stays in the picture. Um, and that's the film uh, first it is it yeah is. well it's a it's a film of two halves i would say and yes. the first half it's kind of it's a wonderful life crossed with et mm-hmm. yes and then after it's on the 45 minute mark that the first uh murder happens mm. okay. and then it turns into a creature feature that's a horror film combined with really black comedy yes yeah. so it's quite it's quite a it's quite a strange combination it is uh, i want to go back to what vicky said about oh could i have a puppy instead mm. because it's a valid point at no point when this mammal, question mark, is brought out of a box. Does it breastfeed? <laughs> <laughs> Second mention for breastfeeding. Yes. Well, <laughs> would, you, would you like uh, Gizmo sucking on your teat? Jesus, Chris. Wow. I was talking to Alex. <laughs> I was sake. talking to Alex. Merry Christmas, <laughs> oh, everyone. That's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. With that little wet nose. Now, I'm not questioning <laughs> the education system in small town America, but at no point does anyone go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what, but what is it? Like, what ki- creature is yeah, it? What kind of dog is they, this? Yeah. They are pretty chill about the fact it's pretty much talking. <laughs> yeah, it does. To, and and, and not like a parrot way where it's repeating what you're saying. No. It's, it's, re- it's responding to things around it. It's a it. sentient creature. <laughs> it knows what it is. <laughs> it is cute. <laughs> it is cute. It's really cute. And the way that the dog reacts when it comes out of the box, it genuinely thinks it's another living creature. Yeah. And in real life, the dog was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I think dogs are when they see things that are moving and appear sentient. <laughs> I think that dog might be the best actor in the film. <coughs> Barney, I want to say. Mushroom. What? No. Maybe it's Barney in the film and Mushroom in real life. Yeah, the actor uh, is called Mushroom and <laughs> yeah. the character is Barney. I mean, some of the reaction shots to Gizmo are incredibly On impressive. Point. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the bit where he goes past him in the remote control car at the end of the dog literally does possibly one of cinema's great double takes. He <laughs> <laughs> goes, what? <laughs> so should we talk about the birth of the film a little bit? Yeah, where did it come from, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky bastard. <laughs> no, go on. Go on, Vicky. Where did it come from? It came from Roald Dahl and then Disney. <laughs> See, why, why, that's why I asked Chris, because... Uh-huh. He will say it in a welcoming manner, not like, it came from Roald <laughs> yes, Dahl. That was frosty, it was. Uh, how much do you know about the Roald Dahl version of it? Because I went deep on this. I've not read it, so... So it was a book, it was his first book, published in 1943. Mm. And, and it I... was supposed to be a Disney film. 
But Disney pulled out because there was some there was some dodgy stuff going on in the background with this book. I'm surprised already. I consider myself a Roald Dahl completionist sure. in the sense that, as a child, I read what I thought were pretty much all his books, excluding the horror ones, which were terrifying. I even read Danny the Champion of the World about pheasant poaching, and I remember hating it, <laughs> but I read it. I read Going Solo, the sequel autobiography. Mm. Didn't like it, but read it. So to <laughs> find out that he wrote a book, and it was his first book, and I'd never heard of it, I was surprised. Well, it didn't get a massive print. So there were, why Disney didn't make the movie is, A, um, there was a member of the Royal Air Force who claimed that Roald Dahl had stolen a lot of the idea for the book from him. Mm. And B, because it the, the, the Royal Air Force were involved with this. So this is where the term gremlin comes from originally. When planes used to go down for no apparent reason, the word gremlin was born to suggest creatures that were causing havoc in the mechanics, right? Mm. And for some reason, the Royal Air Force were going to be involved in the, were involved with the writing of the book and the making of the movie. So Disney, I think, walked away because they, he didn't want to have to answer to the Royal Air Force, which is... <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Like, what you're good at is flying planes <laughs> and what I'm good at is making movies. So maybe... So, so gremlins are um, causing mechanical troubles and mishaps in the planes. Their motivation for doing this is because um, of the destruction of their forest home, which was raised to make way for an aircraft factory. Okay, but the hero is a human. Uh, convinces the gremlins that they should join forces against a common enemy. Can I? Sorry, just interrupt. Is this the plot of Avatar, and therefore also Fern Gully? Because <laughs> it sounds very similar. If you replace gremlins with Navi, I think we've got a similarity here. <laughs> and so the gremlins are trained to repair rather than sabotage the planes. Okay. And so that's the plot of the book. Mm. Uh, it wasn't turned into a film, but we did see more gremlins in 1963, the very famous Twilight Zone episode. Before that, can we go back to uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon? Because sure. while Walt Disney were making this, they went, can no one else from any other studio, please, can you stop? Don't make any gremlins movies. We're doing this gremlins thing with Roald Dahl. And Warner Brothers were already making a Bugs Bunny cartoon that was called Bugs Bunny and the Gremlin about Bugs Bunny on a plane with a gremlin. And Warner Brothers went, we can't really, because we've, we've done quite a lot of work on this, Disney. And Walt Disney were like, all right, but could you change the name? And Warner Brothers went, yeah, we'll change the name to Fallen Hair, which doesn't really work. I don't really understand <laughs> it as a pun. But it's, it's called Fallen Hair. Doesn't this make you feel that there was a much more benevolent studio system at play in Hollywood <laughs> at that time, where Walt Disney went, can you not do that? And Warner Brothers was like, no, all right, yeah. then. Well, it feels like gremlins maybe weren't copyrighted in any way, then. Here's Bugs Bunny. Oh. Say, do you think that... Hey, could that have been a... Gremlin? It ain't Vandal Milky! <laughs> <laughs> reference I don't get. No. But... So they're not calling it a fallen hair there, are they? That's definitely a, a reference to a gremlin. <laughs> Interesting, though. This is one of the few Bugs Bunny cartoons where Bugs Bunny is the victim which I think goes to show you just what a cool creation we're working with here. <laughs> but back to the first film, it was written by Chris Columbus of Home Alone and Harry Potter fame. Mm -hmm. And he said it was um, inspired by uh, living in a cheap uh, apartment and hearing mice run round at night that scared him. <gasps> I thought we had a mouse last night. Oh, that's just come back to me. We were up. For, yeah, sorry. Sorry, that just, I've just had a just a real-time memory. Oh, um, just it's to all right. Well, 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 no, don't make it an anecdote. Let's have an anecdote. Oh, that's good. Anyway, so we turn the light out. Oh, good night, dear. And then there was a rustling behind the skirting board. What the fuck was that? 
So we switched the light on and then we just stared <laughs> at a patch of skirting board for a solid 10 minutes, not breathing, not moving, not speaking, just staring at this white bit of wall. And then we're like, oh, I think maybe it was just the lamp cord. <laughs> I just don't like mice. And um, when we lived in the camper van, we had a mouse in the van and it wouldn't leave and it ran over our bed at night and I've never got over that. <laughs> I've never got over it. And do you know how we got round it? We did what we then called double camping. So I made us put the tent up inside the van and then we slept in a tent in a van so that it couldn't run over our faces in the night and then we killed it. <laughs> so when it, it ran over your, your camping bed, yeah. the, the mouse, mm. Mm. how had it got the keys to the camper van? <laughs> it lived in the cooker. Right. Yeah. Okay. I used to see it peeking through the grill. <laughs> <laughs> That's all true. <laughs> you could turn this into a movie. Yeah. Oh, no, it's mouse hunt. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Would you like to know where the name Mogwai comes from? Yes. Is it Cantonese for demon? That is such a shame because I was going to not tell you myself. I was going to let Zach Galligan, the star of Gremlins, tell you. Oops, right. I'm sorry. I did some research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to hear from Zach very sure. quickly? Hey, everybody. I'm Zach Galligan. I play Billy Peltzer in Gremlins. And the following are 12 things that you probably didn't know about this holiday classic. I'm not going to play you all 12 <laughs> before you ask me to. It's not like you. But no, I had Zach come in the office when I worked at IGN and I wrote a script from him about trivia from the movie, which he recorded, and I've taken some little highlights. So rather than me be Captain Trivia this week, sure. we've got Billy Trivia. So we're not having less <laughs> trivia, we're just having someone else do it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so it's, it's not Tilly Trivia. Right. It's Billy Trivia. Oh, good. Yeah. A spin-off. Mm -hmm. Would you like to know... That ticks so many boxes for you, doesn't it? It involves your name, a previous job that actually earned you money, <laughs> and wordplay. You're over the moon. Uh, another quick one. Would you like to know why Gizmo is coloured the way he is? I know this. Would you like to hear from Alex Zane or Zach Galligan? To be honest, Alex. Thanks yeah. very much. Fair well, enough. It's to appease uh, the his lordship, Steven Spielberg, whose dogs, his lovely King Charles Spaniels that he loves so much, were white and brown. And so the creature designer, Chris Hass... Where? Where? No, Asswear. Chris House. <laughs> it's not. It's not where. Oh my god, I've got it written down somewhere because unlike Billy Peltzer, I didn't need a script from you. <laughs> it feels like you do right now because we're just flailing. It's essentially dead air. That's true. Oh, I don't know. Go on. What, tell us find out what Billy has to say. Yeah, well, you can't hear it. Well, no, you said it. It's because of Spielberg's dogs. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, all right. But maybe Billy knows the production, the creature designer. Oh, he doesn't. Shall does we he? see? Shall we see? Probably not. Gizmo was coloured brown and white to look like Spielberg's beloved King Charles Cavalier Spaniels. Billy, who was the production designer? <laughs> Is it like Siri? Is it, it was Chris? Is it Biri? It was Chris Ware. <laughs> um, but as you said, a, um, it was to appease Steven Spielberg. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today was done to appease Steven Spielberg. His fingerprints are all over this shit. Can I offer a really weird theory about where Gremlins came from? Because I know it was a Chris Columbus script that Steven Spielberg read and went, oh, I want to make this. This is brilliant. And bought it, uh, even though Chris Columbus had just written it for himself to see how well he could write. Steven Spielberg, before he made E.T., his follow-up to Close Encounters of the Third Kind was originally going to be another alien-themed movie called Night Skies. Uh, but it was going to be about a family in a suburban house that were attacked by aliens that emerged from the wood and these aliens were described in the script as little green goblin-like creatures. 
I fail to see that there is no connection there that Spielberg went, oh, that, oh, Night Skies, because I know he pilfered that script for his Poltergeist script, but I think there's some gremlins. There's some gremlins in the Night Skies. Definitely, and I think, I mean, part of the success of this film is because parents and children thought it was... E.T. Mm. 2, basically. I mean, to the point that the the colour scheme and the design of the poster looks very much like E.T. Spielberg's name is all over it. Mm. And I think a lot of parents... Well, famously, a lot of parents were quite upset when they did take their kids to see it and it turned into this horror fest, (laughs) including my own, to be honest. I I remember my mum and dad being pretty upset Mm. by a a few things that happened at the end of the film. Rewatching it now, I can remember moments where my mum and dad were like, oh, that's not very nice. I wasn't allowed to watch it for a while because my my parents had heard it wasn't um, as cute as you might think. I remember being upset when I first saw it as a kid. I think I watched it too young. I don't think I was tricked into watching it. I think I knew what I was getting, but I still remember two scenes. Mrs. Deagle flying through the air on her <laughs> Stanner stairlift and ending up dead with her feet in the air in the street. And the teacher with a syringe sticking out of his buttocks. I could not watch that scene when I was a kid. That was one of the most frightening things I'd ever seen. When he's got that Snickers bar and he's offering it under... Whatever it is, the bookcase where the the gremlin's hiding, that just terrified me. Mm. Knowing what I guess, knowing what was coming, it was something that just really got in my head. Mm. We were talking about appeasing Spielberg, and with that scene, that scene was actually reshot at Steven Spielberg's request because originally the teacher isn't laying face down with a injection in his bum he's laying face up with hypodermic needles all over his face (laughs) covering it i mean that's proper horror and and on the on the commentary joe dante says in retrospect that was pretty horrific (laughs) but there were loads of scenes that the original version was like going to be so much darker what were the other things that was going to happen like oh the shall we ask zach galligan (laughs) star of gremlins Screenwriter Chris Columbus wrote the script when he was a student, and his original vision was much more gruesome, with Billy's dog being eaten, his mom being decapitated, and the gremlins chowing down on families dining in a McDonald's. Executive producer Steven Spielberg wanted the film to be more family-friendly, however, so the violence was pretty much toned down. He added pretty much that I didn't. That wasn't my script. (laughs) (laughs) wasn't in my script. It's always annoying. For clarity. (laughs) I mean... He's really just your mouthpiece for this episode. <laughs> We're sort of turning to someone who was in Gremlins to say things that you wrote for him. I wrote that maybe three, four years ago, probably knowing that this was going to happen four years later. Mm-hmm. It was, it's all part of my master plan. Just to annoy you, Alex. <laughs> Does he mention anything about uh, the town that they live in, Kingston Falls? No. You, Great! But I know something. No, you go for it. <laughs> uh, it's obviously, because it's referenced in the movie, based on Bedford Falls from... It's, it's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> but also it's the same set that Spielberg and Zemeckis used for Hill Valley in Back to the Future, which I didn't realise oh. until afterwards and I... Spoke to Billy. <laughs> and he was like, got some new trivia for you <laughs> from Australia. He's moved. <laughs> yeah, it's very much small town America, isn't it? And it is uh, Mrs. Deagle, who you just uh, mentioned, um, is very much obviously based on Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life, who's one of my favourite 
movie villains. Um, but my problem with her is she's running around town with all the energy of a sprightly teenager and then she's on a stairlift later in the film. Mm. What is that all about? <laughs> If you're given the option, I mean, I am reasonably healthy for my age. <laughs> um, Apart from the dense bones. <laughs> but, but if I'm given the option of walking upstairs or taking a stairlift, I would always take the stairlift. I once knew someone who came from um, a family of doctors and they said to me, you'll never see doctors in a lift or on an escalator because they, they t- the one thing they can do in hospitals is, is use the stairs mm. you know, to try and keep themselves healthy uh-huh. and I think that's true if you've ever been in a hospital lift there are no doctors in there it's true and also they never push the button with their finger they always cover up yeah their I finger do that and do that to yeah you. I do that I never yeah. did that until I saw, I saw I saw a cleaning person in a hospital doing it I was like fucking if you think it's minky in here yeah. like Jared Leto he once came in for an interview with me for uh, Dallas Buyers Club and he's a fun interview isn't he he's an intense man <laughs> thankfully I was prepared because beforehand the PR went okay he's coming now uh, by the way don't shake his hand. Don't even go to shake his hand. He won't shake your hand. Wow. And I was like, okay. And he comes in and I don't shake his hand. You just get off with him. <laughs> <laughs> just licked his lips. <laughs> uh, big kiss. Coming in. <laughs> but he opened the interview by saying, you know what you should never do in a hotel room? And I'm in a lot of hotel rooms. Is never, never touch the curtains because they clean everything else. They don't clean the curtains, so the curtains are just a primordial soup of bacteria. I'm like, cool, well, that took three minutes. <laughs> Great movie. A knob. <laughs> he spent most of my last oh, wait, hang, just hang, staring hang, at me. Hang on. Just for... <laughs> <laughs> just That's make, gone. Just making edit points now with a little clap so I know where to go. Can't I say he's such a knob? <laughs> yeah, you can see what you want, Chris. <laughs> So we were talking about what was dark in this movie and what cut out. Uh, what was cut out because it was too dark. Some dark stuff does make it in. A lot of what Phoebe Cates says, uh, especially while everyone else is opening up their par- parents. <laughs> uh, while everyone else is opening up their presents, they're opening up their wrists, talking about suicide at Christmas. What is that line doing in a children's film? <laughs> I know we've got to pre- prepare them for adulthood, but that is too bloody. I think it's not her fault that she needs to be that blunt. In the scene where she's trying to tell Billy that she hates Christmas, he will not leave her alone. She's like, look, I just don't like Christmas, but why? I just, it's just not my time of year, you know, but give you need to give me a reason. But listen, I've just told you twice, I don't like Christmas. Stop going on about it. Why doesn't she like Christmas, though? She doesn't like Christmas because of a very sad slash hilarious story <laughs> where um, her father, who we find out during this story, is deceased dressed up as Father Christmas to surprise her and her mother and went down the chimney, but then um, snapped his neck and died and they didn't find him for four or five days, I think she says. She's unclear. Why did you add two days to that? It's three days. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Three days, yeah. That's really weird. <laughs> but Spielberg wanted uh, that scene out of the movie, as did pretty much everyone at Warner Brothers. Yeah. And it was only Dante sticking to his guns that, that kept it in the film. I think it's a great story. I think it makes sense. It's meant to sum up the film, the combination of horrific and funny and it's disconcerting and you can't find your footing with it and I think it should stay in. And also the payoff for that story is six years later in the sequel, at yeah. which point it becomes the best joke in the world. It's the best joke in the whole film <laughs> by a mile. You just have to wait six years for a sequel that wasn't <laughs> yeah. even greenlit at that point and you go, oh! Very funny. So when the proverbial hits the fan, mm-hmm. um, 
there's a lot of fun to be had in this film. Uh, but I'm particularly thinking of when the gremlins go for a beer. They do, do they? just go for a quick one after work, don't they? In Dory's Tavern. <laughs> Dory's yeah. Tavern. My favourite scene in the movie. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got, it starts off with gremlins <laughs> drinking and smoking, then one's hanging from a ceiling fan. They're playing cards and arcade games. They're flashing. There's a lady gremlin. They're doing aerobics. One of them is quietly scatting to jazz. Uh, <laughs> they start um, shooting each other. There's a gremlin doing a puppet show. There's a lot going on in the space of two minutes in this movie. <laughs> Best night ever. <laughs> Just a continuity question. Where did they get all their little hats and little jackets from? Ooh. Yeah, because they're born naked, as we all are. Mm. Um, we come into this world with nothing. And then they acquire a full wardrobe each. Just yeah. curious. And you know my feelings on anything that wears something on its top half but nothing on its bottoms, I oh, find disconcerting yeah. and there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, and not just the flasher. No, not just the flasher, which again is an interesting career choice for something with no genitalia. Mm. <laughs> Flash is not a career choice, just to be clear, it's a crime. Well, <laughs> 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 the, Chippen, the Chippendales have done all right out of it. The Chippendales? <laughs> oh my God! Who? You, you know magic mics are things, don't you? The Chippendales. Am I taking crazy pills over here? <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> the Chippendales. <laughs> Should we watch a generation game after this? Have a Findus oh, crispy pancake. Yeah. Jim Davidson and John Virgo are very funny on Big Break. <laughs> <laughs> is this scene and are the gremlins a comment on humanity are they aping human behaviour but the worst of human behaviour western behaviour yeah um, I suppose western behaviour western civilization. You know, not western behaviour yeah not all places um, are you saying they don't hang from ceiling fans down under uh, no I'm not saying that I suppose you, when you look at what the gremlins are entirely self-serving mm-hmm. um, find it hugely hilarious when one of their own dies willing to kill each other for a laugh. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> I have a strange theory about this. Are you ready? Yeah. I have a theory which is that the gremlins are one unified consciousness and therefore one dying is not an individual dying. Like the Borg. Like the Borg. Cool. Mm. I like that. Do you know what my theory about that is based on? It's based on the fact that in Gremlins 2, which we'll get to, they remember that microwaves are evil. So not only <gasps> yeah. do they have a unified consciousness, they have a historic they consciousness where they remember. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think one of the Gremlins knocks a blender off a table at one yes. point. There you go. Um, and we've not even talked about that scene in Gremlins 1. When Billy's mum oh, kicks ass. <laughs> yeah, she goes She's nuts. So Get out of my kitchen. <laughs> but yeah, she blends one, she microwaves another, and then Billy drops her off at a friend's house. It's like, no, yeah. I want mum to take charge of this movie now. Yeah. She kicks a lot more ass than you do, Billy boy. She gets retired by him, which is very unfair. It's patronising. It's condescending. Um, do we need to call the PC police on Mr. Fudderman? Right, uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because he keeps going on about foreigners. Got to watch out for them foreigners. Yep, they'll put gremlins in your machines. I feel it's just more about national pride in American technology and supporting the economy in the US rather than outright racism. Mm. But I am willing to be proved wrong on that. (laughs) There's a deleted scene where Mr. Fudderman's been fired from the noodle company. Yeah, well, that would make it more racist. (laughs) Yeah, it would, actually. (laughs) He says, guess that's the end of my career in noodles. Oh, okay. Speaking of acting, uh, Howie Mandel. 
<laughs> the voice of Gizmo. Yeah. Yes. Um, a big part of why Gizmo is so cute, I think, is is uh, is that voice. He got the role because someone who we talk about on the podcast a lot recommended him, which was Frank Welker. Oh, Welker. the voice of Stripe in this movie. And he went, you should get Howie Mandel to do Gizmo and brought him on board. I feel that we talk about Frank Welker an awful lot because we talk about him doing the voice of the gorillas in Congo, the anaconda in Anaconda, the parrot in Deep Blue Sea. We have never mentioned that he also famously did the voice of Fred from Scooby-Doo. Do you want to know what else he did? Slimer in the real Ghostbusters really? cartoon. Oh, now I'm interested. Yeah. He voices Steven Spielberg in Pinky. It's Pinky and the brain, 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 brain. All right, missed that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does the monkey, uh, the capuchin monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cujo in Cujo. And most excitingly of all for me, he does the graboids in Tremors. Okay. Were you a real Ghostbusters fan? I didn't mind it. I mean, like I say, a completionist. I didn't hate it. Howie Mandel, though, he has got quite a lot of um, material out of that voice, as he will explain in this clip. So this was Gizmo. And then I did like a show called Bobby's World. And I'm Bobby. Of course. But, but Bob, it's the same voice. Is it? Bobby, Bobby talks like this. So if you think, this is Bobby, Gizmo. Same voice. <laughs> and then, and then, wait. And I'm also, I did the Muppet Babies. I was Skeeter on the Muppet Babies. It's, it's the same voice. <laughs> Skeeter, Skeeter talks like this. That's right. Bobby talk like this. <laughs> Gizmo. Same voice. <laughs> Same voice. Let's see. I got one voice oh, and three It's jobs. a great voice. It is. It works for everything I uh, do. Well done, Howie. Do you yeah. know, I'm guessing that's probably where he met Frank Welker because uh, in my list of Frank Welker impersonations, uh, I didn't mention that he also did Baby Kermit on <laughs> The Muppet Babies. <laughs> wow. So that's probably how they Is met. it ever a good idea to say, I've basically got one thing I can do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, should we talk about the ending? Um, how do you feel about Gizmo saving the day rather than Billy? Was that the right call for this movie? Yes. Would you care to elaborate, Vicky? You're making hand gestures <laughs> to me. This is a podcast. This is essentially audio. It's Gizmo's it's, film. It's just audio. It's not essentially audio. <laughs> um, it would be a shame for the most alluring character to be sidelined in the last 10 minutes. Alluring? Yeah, that's a bit of a weird word to use, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, enchanting. Yes. Enchanting. Because it was Billy who was meant to be the hero at the end. Does yeah. uh, Billy um, have anything to say? Does uh, Zach Gallagher have an opinion on how Gizmo saved the day over him? Is he happy? Is he angry? I mean, well, we'll not know. It'll be depending on whether you're happy or angry, seeing as you wrote a script. That's true, yeah. What does he even think for himself? <laughs> who knows? I think there What might does be the some... puppet master say? <laughs> let's listen. Let's hear what Zach has to say. You have to say. <laughs> In the original script, Gizmo transformed into the villainous Stripe, but realizing that the little Mogwai was the heart and soul of the movie, although I take exception to that, and that Billy needed a sidekick for the duration, the filmmakers kept him nice and cute until the end. Yeah, that was the wrong clip. Well, he says until the end. Do you want to play the right clip or do you not have it? Mm, I don't know. I, I, I do have sort of... It feels like we should have talked about it when we first talked about the rules, but I do have one question. How do you clean a mogwai if you can't get it wet? Oh, is it like a cat, like self-cleaning? 
<laughs> I feel like you have to suspend disbelief for the rules. No, for the I little... think we should work through it <laughs> point by point. Uh, Vicky got to ask where they got their clothes from. I was just getting to that for the clothes, for the cleaning, because they spend the whole movie wandering around in snow, which is wet, which is water, and that doesn't have any bloody effects on them. I've got a bigger question. When Kate is serving them drinks in the bar... She realises that they hate a lit match because she goes to light a cigarette for them. Mm. And then she thinks, oh, flash camera. She doesn't think a fucking fire stick. <laughs> like, why not? Like, I thought it was going to be a, a dad story. It was going to be he got burned to death and that's why she's scared of fire. So she wouldn't do that. Uh-huh. But then, he, then his horrific death is something else. So why does she not get a, a fire torch and torch them? Sorry, what's a fire yeah, stick? Sorry, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and what's a fire torch? <laughs> Where where is she getting them? Just to um, get a through line. I spend a lot of time with three year olds, and that's where it comes from. Fire stick. Put the fire stick down. What have they got in their hand? A match. Oh, okay. Okay, so the match. And so we know that uh, Mr. Futterman survives because he's in Gremlins Two. Although in this, right until the very end, you believe that he's been killed by his snowplow. Now, the TV journalist on TV at the end who mentions that Mr. Futterman is alive. His name, this is a good fact, and I've just got the nod from Chris, Vicky, so this is true. Go on. He oh, do you want to called... hear Zach Galligan? <laughs> <laughs> I've got it, but you do it. Yeah. You do it. He's called Lou Landers. He's right. played by the same actor who's playing the same character as the TV journalist in The Howling, yeah. Joe Dante's previous movie, which means that The Gremlins is a shared universe oh, cool. with werewolf movie The Howling. Oh, that's cool. Do you think um, there's enough of the character Gerald in this film or do you think there's not enough material to judge Reinhold? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> oh, you got a snort from me. That's staying in. <laughs> um, so, my lovely friends, uh, Vicky, what is your uh, favourite scene in this film? Well, it's obvious, but the bar scene um, just seems like a fun night out. Alex? Uh, yeah, once again, I'm with Vicky and it is the bar scene and we're going to talk about it, but the reason Gremlins 2 is great is because it's that bar scene for a whole movie because that's <laughs> the best scene because it's the Gremlins doing the Gremlins, the Gremlins are the star. All right, with three for three, I'm going Doris Tavern as well. Uh, Alex, who is your most valuable Gremlin? Flash a Gremlin, interesting career choice for someone with no gender. It's not a career. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't think you get paid by the council or whatever to like flash kids at bus stops. Imagine you've got some hoodlums running right in a local park. You yeah. get a flasher in there, they're gone in a second. Because they're so scared. Yes. Of... I'm just saying it's an underused tool at the council's disposal. That the police have not thought about. Yeah, that's true. Times are tight. As long like... as you are managing them, indeed micromanaging that flasher, perhaps they can clear bus stops, playground, wasteland <laughs> of youths. You, you just, just called them hoodlums as well. Just the thought of this horrible old man just sort of careening round a wasteland going, do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? Vicky, MBG. Um, it's the, uh, you know, you said it before about the they're playing cards and there's a couple that cheat at cards. I thought that was funny. Cute, like that. So who's your most valuable gremlin? The couple cheats the cards. Okay, so you're picking two. <laughs> picking two. Do you mean Stripe and the Gremlin dressed as a gangster's mole? Is it Stripe? It is Stripe, yeah. Yeah, I want to have two. Is that all right? 
Ask Zach Gallagher if that's acceptable. I guess there's no wrong answers. <laughs> um, I like the jazz gremlin scatting and with the Sinatra fedora on. I like. I want to see a whole film about him. What would you change, if anything? Me? Mm. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Peltzer makes an invention that kills the gremlins. Otherwise, what is the fucking point of him being an inventor? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I want, I that. I want that one. You can Alex? have it. Um, I would remove a lot of the forced small town feel good sentimentality I really don't enjoy that part of this movie it feels stuck on it's just about the gremlins causing chaos that's what I love about this movie so I would lose some of the human element and just have more gremlin stuff wow it turns out there are wrong answers to these ones Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like Kate's dark story I'm going to disagree with you guys on that. I've, I, it upset me as a kid, and it, now it just doesn't sit right with me. It, the whole film stops for two minutes to for no good reason, so I would get rid. Yep, there are wrong answers. We've all <laughs> learned a lesson. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So that's Gremlins. We're going to jump forward six years to 1990 and Gremlins 2. Here we go. My introduction to Gremlins 2, the sequel to Gremlins. Gremlins to the new batch. This isn't the introduction. I'm just building up to it. This Here is we brilliant. Go. Thanks. Hey, I don't think you can comment after whatever yours was <laughs> about busy hands, quiet hands, listening hands. I don't even know. So this week I was given 1990's Gremlins to the new batch, a movie that redefines 
bonkers as the gremlins take over what is basically Trump Tower in New York and yet for some reason aren't hailed as heroes storming the Bastille. Then again, they do upset Hulk Hogan, forcing him to break the fourth wall and one of them does turn into a salad after visiting (laughs) Christopher Lee's genetics lab. But we do get a parody of CNN's Apocalypse video and the brainy gremlin is interviewed by Dracula. Did I mention this film is bonkers? Into a salad. (laughs) There's a deleted scene where he's mainlining salad cream. (laughs) Is there really? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hooked up to a salad cream drip. (laughs) Sir, is the building on fire? No, no, that's a false alarm. Are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Now, was that civilised? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilised. Um, so, as you said, six years after the original, mm. which in Joe Dante's opinion was maybe too long, and one of the reasons he blames it for not being the hit that the first movie was. Yeah, but he held off. He he was the one who didn't 100%. want to uh, didn't want to do a sequel, and then eventually they were like, "Please do a sequel! Please do a sequel!" To the point that he had complete creative control of this sequel, which is why I'm gonna come out and say it. It's brilliant because it's Joe Dante's mind vomited onto celluloid. It's great fun. Because they were trying to get a sequel off the ground before then without him. They were going to do Gremlins Go to Las Vegas, Gremlins Go to Mars. These were some (laughs) of the ideas that were bandied around. Uh, But I don't know if they couldn't do it without Dante, but whatever happened, they wanted him on board. And for me, it feels like someone told Joe Dante, this is the last film you'll ever get to make. (laughs) Because he's put everything frigging thing in it hasn't he so he has a go at sequels he has a go at merchandising he takes the piss out of the rules of his own film he attacks critics he casts himself he casts his mates and it ends with a man shagging a gremlin well i mean let your imagination run wild they might just have a heavy petting session he says it ends with a man shagging a gremlin sorry Sorry, joe my bad i was very young when i saw it i didn't know what the idea of a man shagging was full stop gremlin or other (laughs) I think he also, uh, because he realised that the lack of logic in the first film and these completely random rules, just people just went with them, like Gremlins suddenly having little clothes, that yeah. he could get away with anything and therefore will just chuck everything at the audience because they will go with this. Yeah. There's a brilliant um, Key and Peele video, the comedian's <laughs> Key and Peele. You should go and find this on YouTube. But it's a brainstorming session <laughs> for this movie where a studio sequel doctor walks in and walks around a room of writers who are brainstorming around these two and goes, just think of anything. What's the first thing that comes into your head? And someone goes, uh, uh, a brainy gremlin? And he goes, I love it. It's in the movie. You, uh, back gremlin. Fantastic. It's in the movie. Watch it. Key and Peele, Gremlins 2, Brainstorm. It's, it's very funny. And uh, Joe Dante does do his own podcast, uh, Movies That Made Me. Yes. And someone's asked him about this. I have heard on a previous episode. He's not a big fan of that sketch. Oh, really? Doesn't think it's that funny. Really? It's really funny, Joe. <laughs> great. I'm sorry if you don't like it. It's really funny. <laughs> Electricity Gremlin? Yeah, go for it. So I would say, should we set up the plot of this one? Um, but I think you just mentioning it's Gremlins Go Nuts in a Building. That is the plot. There is no way of summing up the plot of this movie because it is just anarchy. This is 
the definition of a punk rock film, which is why I love it. If the Sex Pistols were a movie, this is that movie because it's just craziness going on. But yeah, it's a, bunch a series of, of it's a series of unconnected sketches, is what you're trying to say, no. rather than being an actual film. But yeah. I feel that you say that with a kind of like I don't really like it because I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I think it really works because of that. I mean, the Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, it's that live action. If yeah. Gremlins were five, they're five minutes long though. <laughs> yeah, but I used to binge watch them back to back. So this is like that explains How a lot. How did you binge watch cartoons when you were little? It wasn't possible. Yeah, they used to do a VHS which had like maybe ten or fifteen Looney Tunes cartoons back to back, and like so I some of them... you meant you were binge watching them like last night. No, but they are all on YouTube. <laughs> That's how I found uh, Bugs Bunny and the Gremlin. I do think it's a shame it is, is missing, and it is all set up um, in Act One, like uh, just the lack of narrative drive through Act Two and Three. So uh, Kate and Billy move from small town America to New York, and everyone is so fucking rude. So, like with not to keep going on about Ghostbusters, but like in Ghostbusters Two, yeah. even see, I surprised you there. So not just Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, there's all there's a comment to make on New York and New Yorkers. It's sitting there right in front of you. Everyone is so rude. The small town people save the day. So they're teaching the New Yorkers a thing or two. And you can work in there something about manners or whatever bullshit you want to do. Uh, I know it's boring. Uh, I know it's narrative boring. drive. It's Gremlins 2. It's about Gremlins doing stupid stuff and being hilarious. And the idea <laughs> that you watch the second half of this and go... Well, hang on a second. I mean... Manners. Why are they talking about manners? All right. Well, we'll just see. Well, we'll just see. You show me your spec screenplay. (laughs) I might be asking you uh, later in the episode for your Gremlins 3. Did you guys do that? Yep. Good. Okay. We will. smashed it out of the park. Gremlins 3, the mannered batch. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. If fucking Ghostbusters 2 can manage it, Oh, I don't know if Ghostbusters 2 managed much. Are you saying (laughs) Ghostbusters 2 is better than this? Because you're wrong Mm. on a million levels. I'm with you on that. I think this is better than Ghostbusters 2. We're never talking about Ghostbusters on this podcast because it won't end well. We talk about it all the bloody time. You keep bringing it up. (laughs) I mean, like, officially. Mm. It's very difficult to analyse Gremlins 2 because... As you said, it's a series of balmy sketches, gremlins doing insane things, Christopher Lee running around going, things, stuff, (laughs) and being brilliant. It's like a montage of complete surreal beauty anchored by the brainy gremlin who I think captures the essence of this movie perfectly in the fact that he goes... We want civilization. This, <laughs> look at this guy. Look at this guy here. And then he shoots a child gremlin. Uh, by the way, the Joker movie owes a debt to this. <laughs> During a chat show, he shoots someone live on air and goes, was that civilised? No. Fun? Yes. But no way civilised. That is Gremlins 2 in a nutshell because it's fun, but it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, the brain, the brainy gremlin is uh, amazing and I, I could watch a whole film with that brainy gremlin I think he's brilliant yeah a lot of the action comes out of the splice of life uh, lab where Christopher Lee works mm. is it Doctor- called the splice of yes. life is it yeah. <laughs> see bit by bit once I'm you start there. chipping away at the lack <laughs> yeah. of narrative you'll yeah. fall in love with this movie he plays Dr. Catheter <laughs> <laughs> now Daniel Clamp 
is obviously based on Donald Trump, as I said. There, uh, there's a deleted scene where the building says, you hear the building say, uh, you know I've been thinking Mr. Clamp would make a great president. No. Oh, no. Which is chilling when you hear it now. Yeah. It's chilling. Well, Joe Dante said, uh, when they were asked if Donald Trump has ever made reference to this movie, said, I imagine he knew about it because he's such a narcissist. Mm. <laughs> so the interesting thing is, as well as sort of parodying... Donald Trump and sending up Donald Trump, uh, they do send up Ted Turner, who was the founder of CNN. And there's one scene in it. Daniel Clamp thinks it's the end of the world and pulls a VHS cassette out of his desk and goes, I never thought I'd have to use this, and puts his The World is Ending Apocalypse video on. Ted Turner at CNN actually had a video just like that which was prepared for the end of the world. And in 2015, an intern leaked it <gasps> online, the Ted Turner end of the world CNN video. And it had a note next to it, which he took a photograph of going, hold until apocalypse is confirmed. confirmed. <laughs> and then once it's confirmed, <laughs> they were to play this video. It's a band standing outside what looks like the White House, but isn't the White House, but it's probably Ted Turner's house. <laughs> and this is what we would hear on CNN if we were in America when the end of the world was happening. Is Nearer My God to Thee, which geniuses out there will know, is the last song the band played as the Titanic went down. I just oh wrote Titanic God. down when you said that. I wrote Titanic down because I thought it would be like, and the band played on. Yeah, that's it. That's wow. why he wanted it, yeah. Yeah, they, re they really do take the piss out of, out of Ted Turner because in the film they talk about him uh, screening Casablanca in full colour with a happier ending, <laughs> which because at the time he was colourising black and white movies. And actually in a deleted scene, Clamp is watching It's a Wonderful Life on the telly, which is a callback to the first film. And he literally turns a knob up on the side of it that turns it from black and white into colour. Yeah, because famously Ted Turner was trying to colourise Citizen Kane and it was only when his lawyers discovered that Orson Welles had complete control over the movie in his contract and stipulated it was to be black and white. Mm. And that shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone, should it? That he's Weird. like, this is mine. Strange. <laughs> how, how do you feel about our CG Gizmo wandering around and dancing? Yeah, it just it doesn't look great. I think Gizmo's whole appeal is the fact that it's a real prop. Indeed, the Gremlins' whole appeal is that they are physical props, which makes them fundamentally believable, which is why... It's genocide at the end of this movie when they are murdered yeah. by the humans. For me, the gremlins are the hero in this movie and I hate the end. It's my only bit that I hate in Gremlins to the end of this movie. Just while we're here, it would upset me a great deal if we didn't talk about the score to these films by Jerry Goldsmith because sure. it is genuinely one of my favourite movie scores ever. Okay. Just the bit, simply the bit where it goes. And I sat back yesterday, as I said, I had a bit of time on my hands, and I found songs that I like that also feature a similar kind of theme. I was interested to know. I think I just like really annoying songs. So one of the songs that I think really encapsulates the same idea as the Gremlins is this, the start to... Self-esteem by the offspring. Mm. <laughs> okay, so that reminds me of the Grammys. And then I went one step further yesterday and I found uh, this. 
And then what I did just for us is I took the best bit of that and I looped it. So I've got 10 hours of this. <laughs> Cut and paste. Is that paste. what you use? You know, some people have that relaxation podcast to fall asleep. <laughs> and you've just got that. Speaking of music, when they shot the scene where Gizmo's supposed to be dancing, it was a different song to the one that was used in the movie. It's Fats Domino in the movie. Do you know what he was supposed to be dancing to? Blur, Charmless Man. <laughs> Billy Idol, Dancing With Myself. Oh, that's a great song. Mm, but I think it looks cuter to Fats Domino, rock and roll. Wait, wasn't that Generation X before Billy Idol went solo? Maybe. I think it was. Yeah. I Don't think... you know a lot about Billy Idol? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, did you find the uh, Canadian restaurant funny? Yep. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Chez Winnipeg. It's not Chez, it's Chez. <laughs> they speak French. Foot, there's a, a Don't foot. ignore me. <laughs> they're, they're Canadian. Canadian. No, he's coming off the back of the Billy Idol mistake, so he's not in a good place right now. <laughs> and there's a foot in a crotch in that scene. <sighs> yep. Foot, oh, feet yeah. in crotches seem to be big in movies in the 80s, in the 80s. and 90s. It's and I don't know what it's all about. In real no, life. It War of the Roses happen. did it. I think yeah. Harry Crumb did it. Gremlins did it. What's For with... a start, you, can hard, you can't reach. <laughs> if you could reach, is it really that erotically charged as a thing to do? I don't think it is. Like, a bit tickly, what, maybe. What, I mean, you know my feeling on feet. It's a barefoot. If it's a barefoot, Alex is vomiting. If it's got a white sock on it, you're vomiting. I'm out the door, yeah. <laughs> Whereas you were like, how many can you get yes, out there? Come on, bring me your feet. Bring me your feet. That's... If it, I'm, I want a gremlin foot there. <laughs> Claw. Okay. Uh, yeah, can I ask about that? You know the... Um, End of the movie. Do you think she's sexy? Yeah, just answer without thinking. No. Oh, okay. Lies, but still. <laughs> There's something about... There's something there, isn't there? And she's made an effort, and that's always nice. What's funny? Why won't you commit? Is what she shouted at him earlier in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why won't you Why won't you commit? Why are you afraid to feel? She Don't be afraid. <laughs> but she is the Smurfette of the gremlins. Yes. Smurfette was hotter. <laughs> Fact, really. <laughs> a three-way with Smurfette and the Lady Gremlin. Just too much. Jesus. Just too much. I mean, really? How many? You mean you want all their feet up there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what happens to the Gremlins when you get water on them? What happens when you get the other stuff on them? No, the sex stuff. <laughs> no. What would happen to them? Even for me, no. What would happen to them? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't, not something that I've considered. In, maybe in, that's how they develop genitals, maybe. is if you get ejaculate on them. Maybe it is. Don't I, say I don't ejaculate. Um, in all my extensive notes, I haven't addressed that, Chris, so I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have to pass. Uh, did you enjoy another film we, we talk about a lot? Did you enjoy the Police Academy cameo, Alex? Bubba Smith, Hightower. Yes. Although, two Police Academy cameos in this movie because there is also a cameo from a man named I've got this Archie Hahn who plays Mouse in Police Academy 5 Assignment Miami Beach God I have no idea who that is I only mentioned Bubba Smith because he's rescuing uh, a man called Dick Butkus <laughs> in that scene. And I just wanted to say Dick really? Butkus. <laughs> Very famous in America, not famous here, but we don't hear that name enough. Hmm. Dick sure. 
Butkus. Now, Happy now? <laughs> I mean, anything to clean up ejaculate <laughs> in every sense. Um, you mentioned uh, Nightmare at 20,000 feet earlier. The I did. 1963 version, which features I, a gremlin on the wing of a plane. I tried to, but kept getting interrupted. Well, I had a Bugs Bunny clip. So then we go fast forward to 1973? It is 1983. 1983. So 20 years later, they did the Twilight Zone movie, in which Joe Dante has, in my opinion, the second best segment. The first best being George Miller's reworking of Nightmare at 20,000 Feet with William Shatner replaced by John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. But Joe Dante's... It's a good life where the monster kid has trapped the family in the house. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Isn't that brilliant and should be watched before anyone watches Gremlins or Gremlins 2? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a good call. Mm. And made just before. Yeah. Made a year before. I just get a sense when I'm watching this film that it's too adult for children and too childish for adults. <laughs> that's what I feel sometimes <laughs> when I'm you. watching it. Exactly. <laughs> Not you. I mean, that feels like a dig at me. Like most adults would find this immature. You love it, you don't you, Alex? Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, he, Dante says, I spent a lot of time on Gremlins 2 trying to make sure there wouldn't be a Gremlins 3. And he, he does. He's really taking the piss out of the rules. On several occasions, he takes the piss out of the rules. So Clamp gets them wrong. He says, you can't get them wet for at least an hour before they've eaten. And, <laughs> and you've got to get them home before midnight. Is that right? Um, Leonard Moulton, who famously gave the film a bad review, the first movie, he gets murdered in this one, mm-hmm. uh, which I think tells you all you need to know about what Dante thinks of film critics. Yeah. Um, we get the gremlins literally destroying the movie at one point. Oh, yeah. They destroy the real. And what happens? People are in a cinema and the gremlins get in the projection booth. Yes. Destroy the film. The film stops and then Hulk, you're in a cinema suddenly and Hulk Hogan's in the cinema and uh, he gets up and tells the gremlins off. I'm sorry, if you've got Hulk Hogan in a movie in Gremlins, they've got a fight. But the point is that he's staring at the projection booth in the cinema that you're in, yeah. implying that the gremlins have ruined the movie in the cinema. Mm. So he can't have the gremlins with him. The home video version is different. And I ended up watching that on YouTube. Did you? And what did you think of it? I preferred it. Yes. Would you like to describe it to our listeners who might not have seen it? Although I will put it on our Twitter. Oh, that's great. At ClashPod. Uh, it's a posthumous performance from John Wayne, uh, who is in, I don't know what the movie is. It's the movie is Chisholm. Chisholm. And they've cut in the Gremlins and he has a gunfight with the Gremlins. And although it's not going to be my pitch for Gremlins 3 later, a Western Gremlins would be fantastic. <laughs> they are great. I mean, they really suit outlaws in the Wild West yeah. character. The Dukes, the Dukes sends them back to their own movie and then shoots one of them. Three of them. Three of them. Yeah. He shoots three of them. Yeah. Uh, so what is your best scene, Alex? My best scene is the drinking potions in the laboratory and as a viewer, looking at the label seconds before they drink it and going, oh my God, it's a picture of a bat. What's going to happen? Oh my God, it's an electricity symbol. What's going to happen? Oh my God, it's a picture of a brain. What's going to happen? And I love the fact it's just like, hey, it's a bit batshit crazy. <laughs> That's all right. It's a picture of a bat. He turns into a bat. It's a picture of some salad. He turns to salad. Why doesn't that one turn into an actual brain? Oh, so what's know. yours, Vicky? <laughs> so, um, I know you don't like the fact that Alex that the gremlins get killed at the end, but the best scene in the best scene in both films is when Billy has the idea to sprinkle them with water because we know that that is a risky move. 
And so it's the it's the cross the streams moment. Ghostbusters, um, do something that you um, that shouldn't work and it works. Ugh. Best moment. It's, it's, it's good know. writing. I, I I can't see past what is mass execution mm, of a brand new species, mm, a sentient species, mm. which was that in the original cut of the film that went on for much longer and was much more unpleasant. Right. Well, I'm glad they cut that back because you know that was it was already too much. I like the deleted scene with the western. The Duke scene. Yeah. John the Chisholm scene. scene. I could see a whole... <laughs> the what scene? Uh, yeah, this, sorry. it's problematic. Yeah, yeah. Only, beca- only because of what you've said <laughs> before. Sorry, what's that? Just... Then, but then I, well, I can't say what I want to say. I want yeah. to say because you put ejaculate in mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The Chisholm. C-H-I. Spell it. So nobody wins in that scenario. That is, that's a lose-lose. All right, moving quickly on. Who is your most valuable gremlin? The uh, brainy gremlin. Yeah. Brain Gremlin, 100%. I like Bat Gremlin, especially when he turns into Gargoyle. I think that's an awesome sight gag. Uh, what would you change? Don't kill Brain. Don't kill Brain? <laughs> yeah. Alex? I, I certainly think a Gremlin needs to survive. Um, and also, when the Brain Gremlin goes, well, look at this, we have genetic sunblock and just gives it to the Bat Gremlin, I think the big thing at the end, they... Pull back the thing so the sunlight comes in. Forget the water thing. The sunlight comes in. And everyone's like, take that, gremlins. Yeah. And the brain gremlin has given them all genetic sunblock. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're all going to live. And yeah. then they go out into and the And all York. they do is they all put on tiny sunglasses <laughs> and flick the Vs. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I just think it's like, if you're going to have genetic sunblock in this... Like, and you're the brain gremlin yeah. give it to everyone find a way for the twist at the end so that the viewers go shit when he gave it to the back gremlin he actually gave it to all the gremlins yeah. or it's even in the hose that Billy uses to spray yeah. them with that's a brilliant idea yeah um, okay well you mentioned it I asked you guys for your pitch for gremlins 3 yep uh, Alex would you like to do yours okay so mine involves the genetic sunblock uh, so they escape into New York and what we have then is the gremlins holding New York to ransom what I'm basically doing here rather than pitching my own movie because we live in an era of remakes and reboots the Dark Knight Rises, Bane is replaced by the brain gremlin and all his crew are replaced by the other gremlins. They blow up the bridges and hold New York to ransom using the inhabitants as collateral. I would watch that. Boom. The gremlin money, rises. Money, money, money. <laughs> um, my pitch is, so after the end of Gremlins 2, Gizmo is locked up in Billy's attic because it's too dangerous to do anything else with him. But then they, Kate and Billy sort of forget about him. They grow old and die. He doesn't die. And he's found by their grandchild. And, the, and he's really cute again. And so the grandchild sets about rehabilitating him. But years in isolation have driven him insane. And he's obsessed with revenge and when all this trouble started. And now this grandchild that's taking care of him is off to Lapland on the ultimate snow-filled Meet Father Christmas Adventure Experience tour. Gremlins 3, you'd better not laugh. You'll definitely cry. Mogwai murders <laughs> under the mistletoe. Yeah, very, very nice. Before we get onto your pitch for Gremlins 3, Chris Columbus's pitch for Gremlins 3, which was last mentioned in 2017, so whether it happens or not, I don't know, is that it's he calls it the most dark and twisted one he's come up with. But it's the idea that if Gizmo is repeatedly causing these outbreaks of Gremlins, Gizmo needs to be killed, which just sounds like... E.T. or Mac and Me or anything <laughs> where the alien creature is on the run from the government and yeah. Billy has to save it. So I'm like... I feel like we've seen that film. I really do. And I'm like, meh. 
I think they are doing. They, they've been working on an animated series, I think, and it's Wing, isn't it? It's it's yeah. the kid Wing and his friendship with Gizmo going on adventures. As a child, it's set in 1920s China, and Mr. Wing, as a kid, goes on the run through the Chinese countryside with mm. Gizmo, and he's chased by an evil industrialist and his gremlin army. Mm. I don't know. It's not. That a, sounds it, fine. Yeah, it's not something I'm dying to see. But fair <laughs> enough. Gremlins are gremlins. So I asked our old friend Zach Galligan what his pitch for Gremlins Three would be, and he had he did actually write an outline for it. To oh, which... did you write an outline for yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is all him. This is all him. Are um, you saying that because it's rubbish? This was in the interview portion of our get together. Okay, not okay. the scripted bit. <laughs> but I had one where where um, Billy and his daughter Phoebe's gone, gone or dead or divorced or something like that. It's just Billy's a single dad living with his daughter. And they're down on their luck. So the daughter goes on the internet and puts Gizmo up on eBay in order to make money because it's a one-of-a-kind exotic pet. So they sell him for the equivalent of like, you know, 20,000 US. And it gets bought by the equivalent of Richard Branson. So you have a little bit more clampy kind of fun stuff in there. And so he buys it as an exotic pet for his daughter. And it comes over to London and they spill different stuff on it. It spawns all sorts of crazy stuff. And then that multiplies. The gremlins come out. They all go down into the tube because that's the one thing you want to see is gremlins in the tube messing up. And they burrow and kind of hide somewhere where we can't locate them. And what happens is, do you know, you know what a fractal is? A fractal is when you have one thing that's a piece and when you put them together, it makes an entire piece. So if you had a little baby pyramid and then you put other pyramids together, you make one big pyramid, right? So the gremlins all kind of mass together and form one huge gremlin, kind of like a Godzilla-sized one bursts out of London and starts knocking over Big Ben and stuff like that. You you sat, you're like, yeah, get it. (laughs) The desperation in Chris's voice, he goes... Godzilla, next time open with that. Lose the fractal bit of the pitch and just say Godzilla Gremlin. In fact, open with Godzilla Gremlin. Uh, Godzilla Gremlin, though. This is a good idea. Yep. Right. Are you ready for a quiz? So really, you just, that's your pitch is actually Zach's pitch. Great. Yes. Okay. Good. 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 To be honest, it's the only reason I ask you to do pitches was so I could give you his pitch. Nice. Okay. I feel Uh, used. Um... Okay. I feel like I'm a gremlin and you're creature designer Chris Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) That's a callback that no one was waiting for. (laughs) Got his name. Very good. Uh, That is not part of the quiz. You do not get a point for that. Uh, Okay. I have gone through Joe Dante's films on IMDb and pulled out some one star and two star reviews. That's one and two out of ten. Okay. So I'm going to give you a portion of the review and you need to tell me which Joe Dante film they're reviewing. Okay, we're kicking off with the first film. Spielberg didn't direct this, but it has his fingerprints all over Gremlins. it. Gremlins! <laughs> You're both wrong. Oh, okay. That, that was in a space. The next one. Uh, it's really pretty fun at first, chugging along with 80s charm and then Bizarro World. The Burbs! <laughs> nope. Okay. What the heck? The last half hour goes completely off the rails. I guess there was studio trouble, but they still designed what they designed at the end there. It hurt to watch. It especially hurt to listen to it. It was like they told Robin Williams, not as funny cousin, to just yell things for 20 minutes. Then they didn't edit any of it out. It actually made my stomach hurt. Uh, The burbs. (laughs) (laughs) It is not the burbs. 
It's not one we've mentioned, but I'm positive you've seen it, Alex. You might not have seen this one. No. Okay. no. Explorers. Oh, jeez. Yeah, all right. It does okay. go off the rails, doesn't it? Mm. All right, next one. Uh, doesn't work for several reasons. It doesn't come close to transcending the genre cliches. Gee, evil military men, short-sighted government scientists. <laughs> nope. Looney Tunes back in action. Nope. Hey. Stupid cops, greedy businessmen, and a pompous and annoying authority figure. I don't know, Chris. That is Piranha. Oh, right. Final one. Come on, you can do this. Actually, this is the most difficult one. I thought those three were easier. No. I just quite like this review. I'm 19 years old and this film just made me feel that I was really in the wrong place. Everybody seemed to enjoy the film as I sat there contemplating going down the pub. Then realisation grabbed me by the throat and shook me around quite a bit. This film was designed for youngsters and I had outgrown it. Facing facts, this film is awful, but if I was 10, it would probably be one of the greatest films ever made. So my, re- my comment is really saying, take the kids, but don't take your mates as I did and got beaten by them for stupidly recommending they see it. Gremlins 2. <laughs> No. <laughs> Gremlins. No, he's okay. Vicky's already said it. I've said all the burbs. The... Small sound. Yeah, Vicky wins. Vicky yes. wins the quiz. Oh Vicky God. wins the quiz. Yeah. Yet, yet further evidence that section doesn't work. Uh, yet further evidence you only like it when you win. Yeah. Um, all right. Conclusion, people. Gremlins v Gremlins two. I mean, I feel like Alex has sat stall, but oh. would you like to to, to explain yourself? I would. Uh, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity, Christopher. Nice to meet you, Vicky. Uh, <laughs> my feeling uh, for why Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, should win this is quite simply thus. Gremlins 2 is prophetic. What it did was take the idea of a sequel being over the top and ridiculous, and it did this in 1990. You take a look at any franchise sequel now, and you will find the hallmarks of Gremlins 2 within that movie. You look at The Last Jedi, the moment Princess Leia flies through space, that was a premonition by Gremlins 2 of the Star Wars universe laughing at the rules set up by the Star Wars universe. If you look at Jurassic World, a dinosaur that can cloak itself, when Jurassic Park came out, people would have laughed at that idea. Gremlins 2 is just a wonderful, anarchic piece of cinema that tells us a lot about where we are cinematically. Thank you very much for listening. So the worst scene in The Last Jedi is your reason for liking Gremlins 2. <laughs> My reason is... Freaking hell. No, but that's the point. It, it called out what was going to happen in cinema before it happened. 20, 30 years before it happened. It said this is going to happen. People are going to start fucking with classics and the rules set up by classic movies. And it's going to be like a smorgasbord of insanity that we're all going to accept. I like your passion. Vicky. I respect your passion. um, But the better film for me is Gremlins. I'm just trying to save time. All right. Animal cruelty. Do you know what they were going to do before they did animatronic gremlins? They were going to put gremlin heads on monkeys. No, they weren't. It was only because the monkeys. Is that true? I'm looking at Chris. It is true. They were going to get the monkeys got so upset. Are you joking? That they actually went, all right, we better do animatronic gremlins because the monkeys didn't like, weirdly enough, having gremlin heads put on their own heads. However, I think that's another movie in its own right. Monkey gremlins. <laughs> I be, I really don't like the cruelty of gremlins. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I still find it a bit uncomfortable. It just feels a bit too mean-spirited and it doesn't sit right with me. With Gremlins 2, I feel like Dante set out to achieve exactly what he wanted with that film. I think he's much more interested in madcap humour than outright horror. Um, and I love how creative and imaginative the sequel is, but I do find it a bit exhausting. 
And while I like jokes, I don't need one every 10 seconds, especially if so many of them are going to fall flat. And so I feel like it should be about quality, not quantity. And there's a reason the Looney Tunes cartoons are five minutes long. And Gremlins 2 is way longer than that. So for that reason, I'm going for Gremlins 1. I mean, do you know what? I sensed it in the room about half an hour ago. So uh, fair enough. I disagree respectfully. No, not respectfully. Fuck you. <laughs> Is it? I don't. I'm not sure about the sulking at the end of the result. I don't mind it. No. Okay. All right then. So the winner this week against my best wishes is Gremlins from 1984. Hooray! Gremlins, eh? <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> Okay, so on to next week. I've picked two movies for us. And based on Chris picking a Christmas movie this week in the form of Gremlins, I too have gone with something that celebrates snow on the ground and meat on the table. The first movie I'm picking is for you, Victoria, and it is called Ravenous. Okay. Okay, snow on the ground and meat on the table. Christopher. (laughs) Meat on the table. It's human flesh. Oh, is it? Mm. (laughs) I I know I'm a ravenous. (laughs) Okay. Dark. Darkness descends on the podcast. Uh, Which means, Chris, you could probably guess what you've got, um, but I'm going to tell you rather than let you guess. It's available for 99p to rent on Amazon at the moment. That's a good sign. (laughs) It is a great movie. It is Bone Tomahawk. That is... Your movie, Christopher, wow. Bone Tomahawk. Yours is Ravenous Vicky. Have you seen either of them, Vic? No. Okay. Oh, you're going to have a hell of a time. <laughs> no, honestly, don't pull that face because I've told you about pulling faces that make no sense because then I go, don't pull that face. And people go, yeah. why are you shouting at Vicky? Yeah, you can really hard. <laughs> you can't see the face. <laughs> 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 I bet I won't like these movies. What's it called? Bone Tomahawk? Yeah. yeah. Don't look it up now. Let's let's end the podcast. All right. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, if you have suggestions for movies that you'd like to see, go head to head. We are on Twitter at ClashPod or you can email us show at ClashPod.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, Do your homework. It's Ravenous and Bone Tomahawk next week. And also please do subscribe, rate and review us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye for now. This was a Stakhanov production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.